What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 55 of Land Parties from the Las Vegas Review Journal. I am your host, Lucas Agan. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan Smith. Ryan, how was your weekend, my friend? You know, it was it was good. I, I got some gaming in. Again, we're getting closer and closer to beating Spider-Man, so I'm excited about that. Working my way through the uh, Halo Master Chief collection, so it was fantastic. It, it snowed a little bit out here in Vegas, so we didn't get a chance to go out, but I think we're going to this weekend try to go out and play in the snow a little bit, so we don't get it very often, so you have to take advantage of it when, when we do get it. Uh, But all in all, it was a good weekend. What about you, my friend? Yeah, my weekend was good. You're right. We don't know how to deal with snow in Vegas. So (laughs) thankfully, it's a rare occurrence for us. (laughs) But no, my weekend was good. My weekend was good. I'm up to like 67 wins on Super Mario 35. So I'm I'm still chugging away at that. But enough about us because we have a very special guest There's no secret to anyone who knows me that Little Nightmares 2 is one of my most anticipated games of the year. I just cannot wait to dive deeper into this world. And today we are joined by the senior narrative designer on the game. Dave Mervick is joining us. Dave, thank you so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure. Uh, No pressure as well, since it's such an anticipated game for you. (laughs) (laughs) All all my hopes and dreams, I'm pinning on this one interview right here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, let's jump right in. And Little Nightmares was such an amazing experience you know it took me a little bit by surprise i kind of came in blind to that first game so when you guys were crafting what you wanted to see story-wise from the second game was this always the plan did you guys always have the general storyline in the back of your mind and where you wanted to take this um no i think is the the honest answer there we've but we've had this world my job on little nightmares really apart from in the very uh beginning where you know it was part of like concept in the uh, the the idea you know what what this world was going to be all about it it very quickly became about law and world creation Uh, and so there's uh there's a hundreds of stories there really to to tell and different paths to follow and you know as we kind of started hooking on things that we were really passionate about you know themes and characters we wanted to explore more that's where you kind of get into the lore and uh, and we realized that this was part of the world and and the characters that we wanted to to get into a bit more when you were crafting the story for the second game here how long did it take you and what was that process right like when did you know that this was the right story to tell for this installment uh, i think it's kind of organic that really because you yeah i mean we we always start with a, with like a theme at the core of of these games like in the in the first game as you as you probably know um the first game was uh, originally called hunger when it was just a prototype um and that was the core theme of that as well you know hung you know literal hunger obviously but also these ideas of greed and consumption and excess as well that goes hand in hand with that uh, and this in this game it's uh, it's about escapism and again in it's many different guises the things that you you do to to hide from the world as it is you know how how do you occupy yourself what how do you run away and and vanish from from the world around you so uh, again it was like you, you look at the law and 
Um, you look at, you know, you're the kind of things that the concept team are, uh, are creating and you just start to kind of get a feel for what can fit together and what kind of characters that we can concentrate on with these themes that, we, that are hooking us. Because it, it's got to be in the water, I think, you know, the, the kind of thing that you're passionate about. It's got to mean something to you at the time um, because that's where you get your most inspiration from when you just, you know, you're living in the world and you just, those things hit you and you, you react to them and that kind of feeds the work. So it's, uh, yeah, I would say it's, it's a very kind of natural process. Uh, rather than anything, any kind of equation that we uh, that we've devised. I wish it was that easy with an equation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this character and and the character uh, uh, six here, like it, it's such a unique character. Not only, I mean, there's so much uniqueness about the game. It, the the art style, the music, the sound design, the story. I mean, you know, as this process was going through and you guys were making this. When, when was it for you guys that you realized, like, man, this is, you know, we've got something special on our hands here? Oh, that's a toughie. Um, I think when we were, like, when we really got that jolt of energy, I think it was um, before we paired up with, with Bandai. We've got, we've got funds, you see, from uh, two organizations, Creative Europe and Nordic Game. We had to create, like, a... a design document this is when we just had these ideas floating around in our head and we're like oh we have to put this down on paper now and it has to sound like an actual game or we won't get any money and this is dead in the water <laughs> um so there was a lot a lot of long nights that just kind of really hammering this out um but what that meant was that when we got those funds from those two different places that we could actually create the hunger prototype and the the trailer and it was when the trailer uh was finalized we watched that and we were like oh you know everyone's reaction was the same we're just this is a thing and this is a thing that we want to make as well so we really hope now that this trailer does the trick because again you know there's so there's so many points along the way where this could just be a very exciting ending <laughs> to, to the journey before it even got going so, um and then, and then obviously like way down the line, I and mean, there's a whole middle section where we were making that first game. But it's when you you go to the first event, for example, like when it when it went to Gamescom, and you're like, what are those people waiting for? Why are they waiting outside that booth, which looks like a real life version of the more? Who are these people? Why do they care? All this is just so bizarre mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. us because you just. You're in a bubble for so long and you know you're making a game, but when people care about it at the end, it's just crazy. I don't know. I, I would hate to be prepared for that because I would be a bad person, I think. You've got you've to <laughs> surely be you know, bewildered when uh, something's so popular. You know, it, it's rare to see because Six is such a memorable character, so it's rare to see a choice in a franchise to kind of pivot away and and you know introduce a new character for for players to control and kind of make the main character of the last game into a supporting role if you will what went into that decision what was that a discussion at all and whether that was the way you wanted to take the story yeah i mean uh, it was little nightmares was always about the world and the kids that that are taken there that go there and the things they have to survive so yeah, I mean, the, what we weren't really prepared for 
was how iconic Six was going to be and how beloved she was going to be of the fans. And then you've got like, then you've got to disappoint people. You know, if you just go, well, we're going to move on now. And, you know, we might come back to Six in the future. Um, but then you can't ignore the fact that people are invested in this character. And obviously she has got paths either side, you know, where you know her from the first game. So there was obviously something to explore there. And you have to you have to think a little bit like people care about this, you know, and you you do to an extent need to respect that, even though you know. And wh- where we've arrived with this one is like is is what you have is this is the tale of Mono, but it's also how his tale inter- intertwines with that of Six. And I think the thing that we really like about having Six as the AI control character is you know her uh, and the, the cool dynamic now is you don't get to control her destiny like you did in the first game, even though you never felt empowered in the first game, but <laughs> now it, her life is completely out of your hands. You don't get to press a button and win that. This is about mono. So there's still like an interesting chemistry there that you get just by, shifting focus onto onto this new character and also you like you say you're introducing this idea that there's there's more there's more kids out there that need your help and need your love well and i think that's what's so cool about this too is that there's so many different stories that can be told within this universe um i i kind of like the fact that you know again you're talking about the the main protagonist from the first one now is an ai controlled and and how these two stories are going to kind of intertwine and 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 you know is there going to be is there a bigger overarching story uh that maybe that we end up uh, exploring you want me to answer that <laughs> <laughs> look listen if you can't answer it i understand interview's done <laughs> all right I let know. me let me re- let me rephrase that then let me rephrase that then if 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 we were to explore uh, the universe a bit more, what kind of directions do you think, or would you like to see uh, the game go? That's a harder question. I'm going to answer the previous one. <laughs> 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 no, um, there, there is a, a colossal uh, law Bible, which is, you know, my pride and joy and shame and all, all sorts of uh, um <laughs> Uh, filled with characters, bad ones and good ones, and you know, and locations, and you know, there's a logic to this world, and um, there are intersecting paths, and there's knock-on effects, and and things like that. Um, so, of course, if you go back to that, then you have the pick of a litter. Really, you can again, it's about picking what's the exciting thing next, but also what's going to give people those extra those extra morsels, those extra threads to follow where you kind of pick up things maybe from uh, the first game, for example, but then you you have a thread that's leading off somewhere completely else. Uh, there's all sorts of things you can do as long as your world itself is coherent and fits together. What, what I, I never wanted out of this uh, world was um, like, do you know, like a, a big bad and everyone kind of conspiring together so I never, you know, I never think of the lady uh, ringing up, 
the chefs saying, hey, listen, I've right. got an idea, right, for our next evil plan. It's not, they're not like that. This is like nightmare logic. And the way I describe them a lot of the time is they're like, they're pureed, the enemies in this game. They're, it's a it's like a singular drive they have. There's a reason the chefs are in the moor. And there's a reason they do what they do and look the way they do. That's the logic behind them. But you won't get them jumping into a speedboat and jetting off, uh, you know, to the Pale City or whatever, unless that completely makes sense in the dream logic of this world. But um, so what it is, is wherever wherever you end up, that place exists for a reason. And the characters uh, and the enemies are there for a reason. Like I say, you know, there's something something beyond simple, uh, you know, classic drama. constructs that, that kind of sit behind the world of Little Nightmares. I think it's probably the best while elusive answer I can give to that question. You know, one of the things I love most about that first game is that it doesn't hold your hand story-wise. Like, it leaves a lot for you to notice or kind of infer on your own. Was that was that something that was difficult to land at that, that, that kind of tone or, or giving just enough information, but also not force feeding it to the player and letting them kind of go on that journey of, of discovery and have, have those questions in their head. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the founding uh, principles when we were first talking about, Oh, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could make our own game? I mean, it was literally, that's how it was back in the day. (laughs) Um, And we were talking about exactly that. Like why are games going this way where, you know, you just told everything you don't, have any time to think, and I was really griping. I won't. I won't call them out. This particular game, <laughs> it's much beloved, and I'll be persona non grata. <laughs> but you know, I was I was playing this very very well loved mainstream game, and I was about to solve a puzzle, and I took ten seconds too long, and that was it. That's all I got. I was like. You know, if you go over there and step on that uh, pillar over there, maybe you'll open. I'm like that. What really? <laughs> that was what I thought. So it was just felt like I was just sleepwalking through this stuff. But you know, there was such a fear of people not seeing all the content that they paid for. That you know, you have to tell them everything and tell them what the story is, and it's terrible expositionary dialogue and everything. You can't risk people not knowing what to do at any point. But that's not how it was when when we were we were growing up. It was savage games like Another World and Heart of Darkness and Flashback. One of my still one of my favourites, which I'm playing on the Switch again as, as we speak. Uh, not literally as we speak. But, um, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? These things where you felt like a player and you 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 felt like you were being asked to think about the story as well because it it was it wasn't just spoon fed you all the time. So that was just that was what we wanted to do. And it got to the point where it was like, we shouldn't even talk because, you know, there's so much about no no, no uh, understandable language in this game that works to sell the concept as well, that, like, you are so othered by this world and the, the creatures that live there, you can't help but feel alone. You know, you've got your bare feet. <laughs> Uh, you're small, everything dwarfs you. You don't even get to talk or, or understand what people are saying. It's just primal fear um, to survive, just just get through it. So, yeah, it was let players play, but also let players think as well. And 
again, like you like you mentioned earlier, we weren't expecting people to jump at that chance in the way they did. The theory videos, the essays that we've read, and the, pe- the way people still discussing it now. I we, I think it's this, and if you look at all these different things, it, you know, in the background, this makes sense. I'm like that. It does. That's that's crazy that you. Thinking about it so deeply, it's it's a it's beyond anything that we could have hoped for. It's really humbling. You know, given the response from that first game, does that? I I think you know in any sequel or any next installment, there's always that danger that that first game players are coming to into a world for the first time, and you know there's that magic of of experiencing that universe. How how much? Does that change how you approach a next installment where players have that base and yet they're expecting you to kind of keep that tension, keep that sense of wonder and 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 questioning about the world that they're in? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, of course you can't ignore it because we, we kind of came from nowhere, really. You know, we were doing like Little Big Planet and, you know, our work with, with, with Media Molecule, but, you know, this came out of nowhere for people. Like, didn't you used to make happy games? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the first one had that kind of lightning in a bottle thing. But what we've what we've tried to do is is not lose sight of what mattered to us with that first game. You know, we had a very clear idea of what we wanted to do and why, and to not let let that go, and to just kind of go uh, hit six with a gun and a car. That's the big spoiler, folks. <laughs> but no, it was it was this kind of right. So, what are we exploring here? How do we do that? You know, how can we kind of ratchet things up more? Because obviously, there's longer playtime, for example, and you're outside, which is a whole other thing to to kind of work with. How do we make outside still feel like inside? And how do you how do you kind of you know, you can pick up items, for example, and, and swing them at, at characters. But again, how do you make someone still feel powerless or, or very kind of, you know, you, you, you're not empowered by having a weapon. You're just doing your best, aren't you? You know, there's, there's, mm-hmm. it's all those things, those challenges that you face, but it's still, the, the, the goal is still, the same is that you are a kid in a world that hates you very much and you're doing your best. So yeah, take, take that ladle, do what you can with it. But, uh, you know, don't, uh, don't be putting on the bandana and camo paint just yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and one of the things that I like too, is that little nightmares is a, it's a shorter game and, I, I I really, especially in this world where a lot of games are open world or this or that, to be able to have something that was a little more linear, that was, you know what I mean? Like you're you're in it, you're doing it, and then it's done. I feel like is is fantastic. I know a few weeks ago, uh, little my little nightmares was uh, free, I believe, on Steam as well. So it gave even more people the opportunity to go and pick this up. And we've got little nightmares coming out what next week. Uh, or little, little Nightmares 2 coming out next week. So, I mean, it's the perfect time right now to pick up the game, play through it, and jump straight into 2. Couldn't say it better myself. Do what he said. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it, yeah. it, it, 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm uh, going, going. You know, it's funny because I I uh, had been re reintroducing myself to the series just a little bit ago, and that DLC from that first game hits you hard. Like, uh, no spoilers, but the the way the what what you guys did with that whole story is is there are there moments like that 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 players can look forward to in the sequel? I know not not anything specific, but are those those kind of gut punch moments that that we can expect yeah i mean it's still ours isn't it we, we, still, <laughs> we still made this game that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> we got we got so much like loving anger from fans uh, after that dlc it was <laughs> it's the only way i can describe it it was like how could you? Heart, heart, heart. <laughs> <laughs> the rage love. <laughs> you know, what what do you hope players come away feeling it from this this next game? Like what what do you hope they take away from it? Oh, I want them to feel terrible. <laughs> no, I mean I, I as ever, you want them to have questions. But not not frustrating questions. You just, you, I like with movies. I always like to come out unresolved. You know, like this. It's you've got stuff to think about. Like when when I went to see Seven years ago, came out and just we didn't talk. We didn't talk for like a good hour or something. Just knocked off your feet until you can start discussing it again and and all this. Uh, so it's one of them. You want I I personally want that from people. I want them to just not to go, hey, I won. What's next? You kinda you want people to, to have something to take away and yeah, you want that that feeling of like, yeah, I completed this. But now now I think about it, there's loads more. I, I want to go and play it again. Or I can't wait, you know, to talk to to other people about this to see what their take was. That's always the most uh, rewarding thing when you've You've taken great pains to to create something that so rich. So yeah, I'll say. And of course, unease. I just want people to feel uneasy. I think there's, it's just a nice feeling to create in people. You know, the the last question on my end, anyway, is how does this lead up to the release of Little Nightmares Two different for you with with extra anticipation, with you know, extra excitement there. Uh, from the gamer side, how how does that change the approach you have in the lead up to release and and how you're kind of processing everything? Mm, uh, it's hard to say really because I mean we're we're terrified every time. You don't have that kind of there's no not that arrogance. I don't know if that exists even in the largest companies because you just don't know. Games take years to make, and you don't know where people are at that point, and you can't mm-hmm. keep following trends until the last minute quick 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 quick. this is cool now quick add this so you kind of have to go with your gut and and trust that it's kind of something that's uh that people find worthwhile beyond what's cool at the minute if you know what i mean so really the thing that since we're not coming out of nowhere now the thing that's probably on your mind more is you hope people still feel that you you respect what what they fell in love with, you know, like that we haven't just, we don't care. Ah, you know, these little nightmares it's known about now. Let's just shovel out some more stuff and, uh, you know, 
here's some here's some freaky things that we don't really care about and it doesn't mean anything you know none of that is the case so you just want people to see the same love and and attention to detail uh that they saw in the first game so uh, but yeah you just don't know it's uh that's why we're terrified you you, you have to be it's a, it's a healthy thing because it means you care about what you're doing i think we're not we're not we've it's not based on any kind of market analysis what we've done. This is about what we want to say. Absolutely. I know I know that we're both excited to jump into the story. Uh Dave, where can we where can we find it? Where can we find you? Lay it on us, brother. Uh me. You won't find me anywhere. I'm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Luddite. <laughs> I understand that. Uh, yeah. Um We've got a we've got a great person working on our Twitter now and, and all of our social channels. So uh, yeah, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, uh, and obviously there's the official Little Nightmares Twitter as well. So uh, and they're they're all very active. Uh, now I'm not. <laughs> now I'm not short of it. <laughs> so I think it's for everyone's good that I'm concentrating solely on the narrative these days. <laughs> so yeah, you'll, there'll be uh, all sorts of tidbits, uh, you know, to, to to get your teeth into uh, on on the usual social channels. Awesome, Dave. Thank you so much for taking your time, dropping by, and, and jibber jabbering with us. We appreciate it, uh, guys. Stick around. Uh, We're gonna be right back after the break. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening to that short message. Thank you again to Dave for joining us. That is, oh man, I cannot wait for this game, Ryan. I I really, really am excited to see where they take this. It, it is such a, I mean, it really is such a well played out game, and I, I love seeing games that are unique and different and i feel like there's not enough games that are unique like that so you know just being able to to speak with dave and kind of see how the story was crafted and how they got from you know what i mean this concept to this gorgeous game and now we're getting the sequel i'm excited pick it up definitely definitely highly recommend it i've, I've got plenty of friends that have streamed it and stuff like that too uh so i know you know everybody that i've seen has enjoyed that game so I'm looking forward to it for sure, dude. Me as well. And to just talk about a little bit of news topics, GameStop is in the news and not for something they did themselves, which is a rare thing <laughs> these days. <laughs> we saw uh, some Reddit investors kind of strike against hedge funds who had shorted uh, GameStop <laughs> to drive the price up. Ryan, this is one of the strangest... And uh, unexpected stories that I really didn't ever expect to see happen. Uh, yeah. So apparently, backing GameStop in the short term is a thing. <laughs> so, Ryan, I this is mixing two worlds here, and and you know what? There's there's a lot of videos that can explain the details a lot better than I ever could out there. But Ryan, what do you take away from all this? Yeah, so it, and that was the thing too, because I felt like this this kind of came out of nowhere. Whereas that's not necessarily the case. I think this has been percolating for a little bit. And the biggest thing to me was that number one, 
I, I thought it was kind of ridiculous that you had these people, because then you had these hedge fund man- managers going on and literally crying on air about how, and, and don't get me wrong, they lost billions of dollars. But, you know, how do you get upset when, when you know, every they were within their regulations, within the rules, and they basically got beat at their own game? Essentially, uh, it's the short sellers that are are basically being borrowed stocks at one price they they're they're predicting that the prices are going to go down then once the prices go down they they pick up the stock and they buy back the stock at a lower price and then and this and that it's a, it's a whole thing and whatnot it's kind of a general understanding as to it and instead of the prices going down they went up with people buying in and then holding on to the stocks. So that created these, these hedge funds then were in the red as opposed to selling at a profit. They are now losing money and they were just bleeding it. The, the higher up it goes, the more money they're bleeding because now it's, it's getting further and further away from the price that they were guessing that it was going to be. So there were uh, some people and people that had already uh, obtained the stock and whatnot they they made a ton of money as far as uh what what happened as far as with this when it went mainstream though you had the issue where Robinhood shut down the sale of these of multiple different stocks it wasn't just GameStop it was also Nokia it was BlackBerry uh AMC the the movie theater uh were were stocks that were targeted uh for this uh basically these bump ups So it's a really weird situation. You know what I mean? It kind of feels, it doesn't feel right on my end just because, you know, you see your, your normal consumer making money off of these, off of these investments. And it almost felt like the system was saying, whoa, 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 whoa. You normal muggles can't, can't be making money like this. Like, what are you doing? Like, like, why not? Why can't we? So this is, this is definitely one that's going to be, um, that we should monitor. This is a game changer. I feel number one, I know that there's now services to basically scrape through Reddit posts and things like that for talk about stocks to try to prevent something like this from happening again. Uh, you're going to see other things that come up from this. So the other issue uh, in my case, because you, you had some, uh, some, some, senators and and congress people talking about wait a second they can't do that they can't stop the sale of this i don't know if there's going to be i know there's some investigations that have started from this as well so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out also on the retail level how these apps that allow people to buy stocks are they going to have to change up their formats and whatnot because this issue or because this came about uh it'll be interesting to see I'm not gonna lie though. I totally bought some of them stocks. I, 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 <laughs> I was like, let me get it on that. Hold the line. Hold the line. <laughs> so Ryan, if you take a long vacation, I know why. I you know, know why. what happened. Come on, baby. <laughs> yeah, you know, if nothing else, this this whole situation that's happening is highlighting what seems to be a, a pretty big dichotomy between these big investment firms and what you or I are capable of doing on our own, mm-hmm. you know, as, as little old single investor here. And, you know, the stock market, I think for a lot of people, at least it, it's been the case for me in the past, has been kind of this enigma of, of something that like we're told to invest in, but... 
not something that you fully understand or not something that you could ever take full advantage of as, as like these big firms. And so, I mean, we've seen a lot of divides in a lot of different areas come up and, and I think this is happening again. I think there, there are some, some things that I I agree with you that this is a game changer, that there are going to be some changes on a lot of different levels in some meaningful and big ways, whether those are good or bad or We'll see because mm. life has a, a tendency to take the bad from from the good somehow. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So this is going to be a fascinating story to watch. And it makes you wonder – it just makes me wonder what the ramifications are because I have no idea what happens. I have no idea where things go from here. So that's – I'm hoping for the best, but uh, I kind of expect yeah. not well, great to happen. Yeah, and, and it's crazy, too, because it's almost like, I mean, it feels like with them stopping or capping the sales on this, they're almost, aren't they, in a sense, n- manipulating the market, too? Because now I've got this money in this, and I am, you know, again, I put in to where if I lose it, I, you know, I didn't go crazy or anything like that. If I lose it, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be uh, uh, hard up or anything like that. But still, it, it still bothers me the fact that, you know, this has this other potential to continue to go up, but now it's being regulated by a a company, you know, an app that, you know, and I know a lot of people, a lot of my friends had moved away from this app because they're like, no, nah, that's, you know, that's ridiculous. Again, I'm not knowledgeable enough, I feel, within that world to be able to speak intelligently uh, or at least with with confidence and in, in knowing, you know, I only I, I I I'm calling it like I see it and how it feels to me. Again, that's just a a based off the knowledge that I have. I don't understand it like like so many other people don't, you know what I mean? Uh, understand, you know, within finances and and stocks and things like that. But I kind of, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a little salty that you know it's like look look I'm just trying to make a little money too, baby. Like come on now, like don't don't what are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, if if there's another piece of good to come out from this, it's to know where your money is and what you're investing in. I think one of the best pieces of advice I got was never invest into something you don't understand. So mm. hopefully this spurs a deeper study of the stock market for a lot of people. And so they at least know or have a better idea of what's happening and what they're putting their money into. So hopefully that's a, a positive thing to come from it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we'll, it'll be interesting, but this is definitely one that we will uh, keep our eye on, and and I'm sure at some point in time, depending on on what kind of changes are made, I'm sure I could see us revisiting this topic here later on as well. But and speaking of revisiting topics, <laughs> I, I I hate to say I called it, but come on now. We got news. Google is officially shutting down their independent studios. I know one of them, I think one of them was SGE and I'm not sure what the other one is. This does not come to a surprise to me whatsoever. The fact that they didn't make this move sooner, uh, I'm actually a little a little surprised about. But, you know, they've said essentially that they are going to go ahead and they are going to focus. They are shutting down their studios and they've talked about reallocating those resources towards working with and obtaining more third party games. This is why, number one, let's not forget that those are people's jobs. So Google said that they are looking to and 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 they're going to try to basically move play, people to other places 
uh, within their company or wherever so that these people aren't. Because, I mean, again, with the current situation right now, this is not the time to be getting rid of jobs. You know, that would be that that is so tough. So I, I do applaud the fact that hopefully they're going to make a, a good attempt at re repositioning these people that did lose their jobs into somewhere else. But it just it, it makes sense to me. I don't even know what they were working on as far as exclusive titles for Stadia. I've had a, an issue with Stadia dropping the way it dropped from from the get go. It felt like Google was really trying to be that first one to to throw out something with cloud gaming. But basically they were paying they were having people pay for this beta that was incomplete and my biggest issue with this and and we've had many a conversations here about cloud gaming is number one i don't have access to my my games that i've always per- or already purchased on the cloud that number one is a huge problem for me mm-hmm. number two you're trying to tell me i have to pay for a game that I already own, but now I have to pay for it just to play it on your platform. I cannot, which I think this has recently changed. I couldn't play it on iOS devices. It was very limited in where you can actually play Stadia, which I know that some of that has opened up a bit. But I mean, right from the jump off, the, and the biggest thing too is that they made all these promises and they underdelivered. And if you're going to do if, if you know anything about anything, it's you always under promise or, or, you know, under promise over deliver, not the other way around. So I felt like they really set themselves up to be straggling in the in in this scope of things. Here are some positives, though. The infrastructure for Stadia is solid. And, and my understanding, again, I, I have limited playtime with it. But my understanding is that it's got one of the best play experiences for cloud gaming. Uh, again, right now, I'm partial to Luna. That's the one I've played the most so far. I'm going to be picking up GeForce Now because GeForce Now is now available on iOS as well. Um, but to me, this is the only move that they can make. Pay third party to get these games, get better games, get a more of a variety of games and and don't they got to get away from this model that they're in right now. If you notice, the other ones are tying into your library so you can purchase games on their platform, uh, but you are not, it's not exclusive to that. You're also able to access games that you've either, if you have a service or you have the game, you're able to access it. So this to me is a smart move. However, we also know Google is good for walking away from stuff. So this could also be, ultimately the beginning of the end for stadia who knows i don't know man what are your thoughts on this dude yeah you know first of all we do hope that everybody that that just lost their jobs finds a new place this is a tough economic environment for everybody so that's never a fun story it's never a good thing to see that happen uh you know, Google Stadia has been behind the eight ball pretty much since its announcement. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like it's it's been incredible to see what seems like misstep after misstep after misstep. And I, my first thought was went immediately to I think this is the beginning of the end for Stadia. You know, you mm-hmm. have Amazon entering the cloud gaming market space. Um, you know, if I had to bet on a horse right now, I'd say Microsoft's gonna be a, a, a far and away leader for years to come in that space with all the work they're doing on with, with Xbox and then that platform. So my question is, even if you focus on third-party games, 
if they're not exclusive, why would I still buy into Stadia now? Like, why wouldn't I, I jump into a different platform? And Google does have a history of, of walking away from things. Uh, if you remember the, the VR cardboard <laughs> headset platform stuff that they were trying to push there for a while. The glasses. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. So my my first thought was this is the beginning of the end. Like Stadia is just going to be slowly phased out and Google's going to wipe their hands clean and move on to something else. Because in my mind, without exclusives, why choose this over a different platform? Well, what do you well, why do you think what what do you think would make a, like a GeForce Now uh successful? Cuz I mean, that essentially is the same model, right? That they're not really, they're not offering any any games directly from their platform. They're just giving you access to the games that you already own. Yeah, that's true. I just think, you know, the way I see cloud gaming going down the pipeline is a bit like streaming services, right? Mm-hmm. And eventually, like you have Netflix originals, Hulu originals, Amazon originals that at some point they're all going to start grabbing titles to themselves that you can only stream on certain platforms. Like that's kind of where I think this is going to head um, just based on what we've seen from all these other streaming services. So maybe the lack of exclusives doesn't hurt them right now, but you know, it's the same thing as like, like an Xbox or a PlayStation, right? There's a, there's a pool of third party games that you can play on either, but it, Ultimately, it's, you know, do you like the Last of Us's or do you like the Halos of the world? And that's that's usually what swings you one way or the other towards that because you mm-hmm. have that pool of third-party games on both. So I think exclusives is an important selling point to these platforms in the long run. Maybe early on it's not that big of a deal, but I think that becomes a bigger deal as you see companies start to develop uh, their own titles that the the ones that don't are going to find themselves in a tougher position. Yeah, and it's funny that you say that too, because for me, as far as cloud gaming right now, and I think there is going to be a shift uh, to where it's going to be more about what exclusives can I get, what can I play on here. Right now, though, it almost feels like, for me anyway, it's more about where can I play my games at. I want the the most options of where I can. Can I play it on my phone? Can I play it on my tablet? Can I play it on my TV? That right now is more important to me than the the games that I can get. And then of course it's it's what games can I access on these platforms? Do I have access to my Steam library, my GOG library, my Epic library? You know, I I think they're gonna have to find a way because this is. Cloud gaming isn't going anywhere. And I still, you know, I, I still believe that it is going to eventually be the future of gaming. And that is when these exclusives for these cloud services, I think that's when it'll be more key is when you have more consumers that have cloud gaming that are doing it right now, though, it's getting people to buy into it. And that is one of the biggest struggles, I feel, because like you're saying, what is the incentive for me to, to to get this or to pay this other subscription fee? Not only that, but people don't want to pay 10 billion different subscriptions to, 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 you know what I mean, to play play this game. I can play th- these games on this platform, but I also have to pay for it over here on this platform, too. You know what I mean? It's like, so we're going to have to see the developers buy in a little more as well 
to be able to give more access to people, you know, again, being able to access games in their library or just, you know, them working exclusively. I could see that being a thing, uh, working exclusively with a a cloud gaming service and saying our games are only now going to be, you know, you can only get them on this certain platform or whatever. So it'll be interesting to see. As we move forward, as time goes by, uh, what what happens as far as within the cloud gaming space? The other thing I think, and, and I, I can see this happening more than anything, too, is somebody buying into Google and, and buying into it for their infrastructure. Uh, again, that's probably the biggest thing that I've heard as far as with Stadia and what's so great about it is just how smooth it runs. Uh, so obviously, and, and we know Google, they have that kind of infrastructure. They have those resources to be able to have a really good cloud gaming experience. What they lack, though, were the games and the accessibility from which you can play those games. We'll see. You know, it, it, you don't you don't ever want to see something like this happen, especially as we're moving forward into gaming and into the space. But. I mean, they just I, I felt like they just threw this out there from the get go uh, with with uh, just kind of disregarding what they were doing as far as, you know, instead of it being, hey, we want to get a solid, good experience out. It felt very much, you know, again, like they just wanted to be first at it and and it left a lot of it, it left a lot of people with sour taste in their mouths. So. We'll see how it goes, but you know, again, we'll continue monitoring this the Stadia situation, and and we'll see if it it makes it through the year. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it does. You know, you you never want to see a platform like that go away, especially in a, a space like cloud gaming, where you need as many players as you can get. Like you need good examples to get people to buy into it. Um, mm-hmm. I. <laughs> I just, I just don't think that's gonna happen. I just, <laughs> at least not on Google. I think this, this is a step of Google saying we're ceding the cloud gaming wars to other companies that that we're gonna step back. This was gonna take years for them to really get that goodwill back or that trust from gamers. I, I just don't know mm-hmm. that Google's willing to do that. This kind of reminds me of like a, a PlayStation Vita where Sony kind of just slowly started to say, "Hey, no more big first party titles." hey, we're going to focus on third party, but then it just kind of slowly disappeared and they just stopped talking mm-hmm. about it. Like to me, this feels like that's where Stadia is heading for Google. Yeah, I agree 100%, dude. I agree 100%. I wanted to sneak in uh, a little quick thing too. I just uh, read the past weekend that the LA Valorant basically have released everybody both on staff and players-wise and they are moving over to China, I believe. It's China or Korea. I know that they're in the Eastern Division for Overwatch League. So there was talks that that was partly the move. But again, there was other talks as well that, that you know, I mean, maybe this was just kind of their way of being able to start fresh, basically, which was which is really dirty because just to drop your players like that, your staff, these are jobs. I mean, we uh, uh, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm spacing on a name. Curry shot. We had Curry shot on uh, who's a coach on there earlier. So, uh, you know, best of you. Hopefully, you know, these, again, these are these are people that are losing jobs in right. a very tough economic time. So it, it, it's 
it's just, it, I mean, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible to see. I'm curious to see though, what the, what the, uh, the big move and, and what that all entails and, and how that plays out, what some more of that reasoning as to why this move was made, especially during this time. So mm. yeah, I not a fan of the timing of it and not a fan of the move to just, just, say across the board everybody's gone like that that's right that leaves a bad taste in your mouth a hundred percent uh without hard numbers to back me up here my first thought is you know the asian countries is is what america always says we want esports to get to so maybe mm-hmm. in addition there's just a move of esports is just just bigger there like it's just on another level there that they just want to to be in that space where it's happening and where you see uh, a lot of the best esport athletes in the world are coming from in that China career area. So uh, maybe, maybe that had something to do with it. Just you wish that they would handle it better, or at least give those players and coaches a chance, even if you didn't right. ultimately keep them. But uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe, but maybe that's the reason. Maybe they want to be in a esports hotbed that, that the U.S. just isn't there yet That from what they're seeing. Yeah. Well, it was weird, too, the fact that they are for the – because, you know, there's the Eastern and Western Division that they were considered already in the Eastern Division, even though they're in the States. Because I know that majority of the States, and I think Europe, are in the Western Division, and then it was supposed to be, you know what I mean, uh, uh, Asia and and uh, I'm guessing some of uh, Eastern, Eastern uh, uh, Europe and stuff like that that would be in the Eastern Division. So it's weird. I got to go back and look and see how they split that up because I know that they're not the only team that's in that Eastern division that's in the U S. So that to me again is, is that seems weird, right? Or maybe it's, you know, maybe it is like you're saying they, maybe they petitioned or lobbied to get into that division because it's more of a hotbed and, and esports, you know, generally seems to be a lot more popular over there than over here in the States where, you know, we started seeing some of that, some of that rise and that build, but, you know, that's been quelled down quite a bit. So, I mean, yeah. And, you know, as we've mentioned multiple times in the past too, that's got to be brutal for travel, right? If you're, if you're stuck in a division with, with a lot of teams from literally around the world, (laughs) that's, Mm -hmm. that's not, it's not easy. Right. So, so maybe that also had something to do with it. But like I said, I just wish they would have handled it differently. And I wish they would have given their players a chance, even if they had to try out again, you know, to at least, have that chance. So that's, that's never fun to see. Yeah, absolutely. Dude. Uh, you asked a question on Twitter as well, right? I did. I had just asked what games that are coming out in February. Are you most excited for? And, mm-hmm. uh, Aaron white, who we had on just a couple weeks ago, responded super Mario 3d world plus Bowser's fury bravely Ooh. default Two. Persona, Persona 5 Strikers, Little Nightmares 2. Hey, a fellow Little Nightmares fan right there. <laughs> and King of the Seas. Uh, we also had Julian Titus on Twitter also say Bravely Default 2. And Stephen Keller said a new Mario game is all I need in my life. So lots of Nintendo love this month. <laughs> and Yeah, they're coming out with stuff too. I mean, there's it's nice to see them dropping some, some new stuff. 
uh, from Nintendo, we were talking about how they've been kind of quiet. So exactly, and and Ryan, I think you know where I stand. Little Nightmares Two is at the top of my list by far. I am intrigued by Bravely Default Two. Hopefully, that one's good as well. But Ryan, I'm not familiar with that. So it was. It's an RPG. It was on the 3DS. And this is this is one of those series that has one of the worst naming conventions ever in a series. You had Bravely Default, you had Mm. Bravely Default Second on the 3DS, (laughs) and now you have Bravely Default Two on the Switch. (laughs) However, however, just to confuse you more, Bravely Default Two is not a continuation of the original Bravely Default game. It's new characters. Come on. (laughs) Who did that? Who did that? So, so somebody at that series, I think, went to the Microsoft School of Naming and just decided to mess with us. This is going to be 2.5. <laughs> Interesting. Well, you know, the other thing, too, and I know this is one that we had talked about uh, uh, games that were coming out. Returnal actually got pushed back. That was supposed to be this is a PS5 exclusive uh, that was supposed to come out here in March, and that got pushed back to at least April uh, as of right now. So that was a little disappointing to see and hear. It's, it's curious, too, and I, and I should have asked at the time. Um, you know, I, I wonder what kind of struggles or if any, you know, they had on Little Nightmares, too, uh, with the current situation and being able to, because this thing has not had any kind of delays or anything like that, which is really nice. And, and you know, it, 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 it seems as if, though, they were able to execute what they need, need to execute and and put everything together and, and get it out on time. So I wonder what or if they did something differently or maybe it's just the type of game it is that that kind of lends itself to be able to have a smoother production than some of these other ones. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting thought. I think I think for sure the fact that they're a smaller studio by comparison to some of these these giant studios probably helped them in the long run with that. Mm-hmm. I do wonder you know, if you think back to the writer's strike for Hollywood, it wasn't mm-hmm. until like a year or two later that we really started to see the effects of that because there was enough projects that were close enough that they were able to still push them out in the short term. I wonder right. if that's what we're about to see where there were enough games that were close enough to being done that the pandemic didn't affect it too much. But now mm-hmm. that we're we've had games that were longer out from being finished is when we start seeing the pandemic really affect those production schedules because they weren't close. Like they, they had their full development cycle they had to go through. So, so I'm afraid, I'm afraid that there's going to be a lot of delays. I mean, not that we can blame them, terrible circumstances but i wonder if this is the year that we really start to see the pandemic affect game production yeah i think you're right i i think it is going to be a delayed you know we we started feeling it a little bit but because you know there's we've got stuff that was further along on the production line now we're going to start getting butt up with these these people that have been trying to grind it through uh since the the jump off and and unfortunately i think you're right i think we're going to see more delays. I don't think we're going to get God of War Ragnarok this year. I think that, cause I mean, if that was scheduled for the end of this year as is, I can't imagine that they are still on track with that. Yeah. So, you know, 
again, my biggest thing too, especially with like PS5 and 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 this next gen consoles are we haven't really gotten anything yet to that that it's gonna flex the muscles of these new consoles. So I think that's what people are really kind of waiting for is is this new new and to really, really step into this next generation of consoles. So We'll see how it is, but, um, you know, we'll, 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 there, there's still, you know, there's still things like little nightmares too, that, that that's going to hold us over. We're going to get a fantastic story, uh, that we're excited about. So at least there's things that are on the horizon. So we'll continue monitoring that stuff. Regardless though, what do you got going on this weekend, Lucas? Tell me, yo, tell me your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, my secret life is not very exciting these days. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, no. I am actually going to revisit Little Nightmares. I am I am getting ready to go through that game again, to be ready. I want to finish the first game and walk right into Little Nightmares 2 next week, which comes mm. out on the 11th, by the way. I don't know that we mentioned that yet. So Is that's, it the, I, I thought it was the 10th. It might be the 10th. Ten, the 10th or the 11th. It's next week for sure. So yes. I, I uh, that is my weekend. Other than that, just kind of relax, try and get some outdoor time and stay sane you know it's funny i mentioned this on twitter the other day that i have almost spent more time working from home than i actually spent working at the office so this is yeah a strange milestone to reach what about yourself yeah same dude i I think i commented on that tweet i was like i'm pretty sure i've been working from home just as long if not longer than i have at the office uh at the rj so that's been that's been a, a trip but yeah it is i love the fact that little nightmares is a short game i'm gonna pick it up i'm gonna play through it again i've never played through it i've watched a bunch of friends stream it and stuff like that i always thought it was a gorgeous game it looks really cool so i love the fact that it i, I think it's something that i could bang out over the weekend pick up that in the dlcs and then hop right into little nightmares too I'm excited for that. Other than that, though, kind of like you, I, I think I'm going to we're going to do some housework, some stuff around the house and maybe try to get outside and, and go out to the mountains at least and, and play in the snow a little bit. So we're excited about that. Guys, don't forget, check us out on Twitter at Land Parties Pods or Lucas Egan or Smitty2447. Uh, hit us up. We hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate the love. And you know what it is. We love your faces. 